welcome, welcome, welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung. It is so nice to have you all here listening to this show, to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for, I don't know, what am I thanking you for exactly? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for sharing your time with me. I guess that's what I'm thanking you for. Lately, there are people around me who are starting to come into awakening. You know, it's like before they were living in the matrix. (laughs) And then now they're opening their eyes and they're like suddenly, oh my God, like I actually really don't like my family members or oh my God, like I actually really don't like my boyfriend or oh my god like I really don't like the person I married like this is starting to happen increasingly around me like the people around me and uh, with each person I'm just like yeah congratulations (laughs) you have you have opened your eyes and you can now understand and see that you've been living in the matrix (laughs) it's wild you know, it's actually, it's fantastic. It's like saying congratulations to somebody. It's like saying mazel tov. Yeah. Like you've broken your cherry and you are now, you are now a human being. Before you were not. Before you were, I don't know what the hell you were. But now you are a person. So welcome. Congratulations. Yeah. It's it's really fascinating, like watching this unearthing happen. and And then it's fascinating watching how some individuals choose very radically to make bold moves and, you know, snap out of it and change their lives and take agency, whereas others continue to uh, be afraid and question and doubt. And I think all of those things are normal. Yeah, it's all normal. I don't think there's any right way or wrong way. In my instance, I'm very impatient, so I go towards the radical. Yeah, it's like, let's do everything all at once, (laughs) really fast. (laughs) Yeah, let's get it done. That's that's usually my MO, but there are others where they just have to kind of flounder for a while. And watching them flounder for fucking years and years and years, it it is draining. And then I do have to ask myself, like, at what point um, do I... Um, stop, stop engaging in this drama. Yeah. You know, that filmmaker, uh, Ingmar Bergman, there was a certain point in his life where he just gave up everything. Like he retired from filmmaking and then he just, you know, went to the, uh, I think it was the Faroe Islands in Sweden, like off the coast of Sweden. I don't know. It's, it's over there in like the, the, Scandinavian areas it's the islands and he just like escaped onto this island to live a quiet life and he said that he could not help but get caught up in the drama of the lives of people there too and it just to me shows that part of the reason why we get caught up in the drama of life whether it's our own or with others is because it is it is entertaining it is engaging it does capture our attention and I just keep asking myself well what is drama like I think the word drama gets imbued with a touch of um, 
misogyny, you know, because it's often associated with women, right? It's like, oh, there she goes. She's being a drama queen again. Like, here comes the drama. And it has to do with, like, when women voice their grievances or their outrage or concern, which is all valid. But if it's like when a woman does it, it's like, hey, shut up. You know, you're being a drama queen. You're inviting drama. But to me, I see drama as just, they're just black lines on a blank page. They're just lines on a blank page. They're utterly neutral. And yet we feel something when when it occurs, when they start to take place and take shape and take form. We feel something and then we have a reaction based on those feelings. And it's linked to whatever images that we have in our minds, linked to past memories or experiences that we project onto these lines that we now see in the present day. And that's what television and screens are. They're just little tiny lines. Millions and millions of tiny little lines. That's all they are. But it's interesting how they get interpreted as, oh, this is something. Today's show is Divorce Attorney Shin, based on a webtoon of the same title written by Kang Taekyung. And the show follows an attorney named Shin Seonghan. Right? Shin Seonghan. Shin Seonghada in the Korean language. Shin Seonghada is is an adjective which means holy. Mm-hmm. So Shin Seonghan, his name means holy. Like he's got this holy aura about him. I mean, it's like he leads an ascetic life, doesn't he? Right? He leads a very disciplined life. He lives alone. He lives uh a life as an attorney, which is something he committed his life to by giving up his life as an artist. I mean, he used to be a piano player. That was his job. And he gave it all up to become an attorney. And he commits his life to this asceticism because he lost his younger sister to a tragedy, right? But he's a daffy fellow. Like, he colors grapes on a wall, right? And he plays the piano when he's drunk and he's really great at it he's brilliant at it but he's also like ashamed of it you know it's like oh that's not me anymore so stop trying to identify me as a piano player he also loves trot music and he sings it constantly he listens to it very loudly right but Shin Seong-an is a guy who knows how to enjoy himself that's what he is he's a guy who knows how to live his life and enjoy himself. And then in the first episode, there's this woman named Yi Seo-jin, who is a TV and radio personality, and she has an affair with a man and is in the middle of a divorce, and she's seeking custody of her son. But Yi Seo-jin also has a sex tape that gets leaked by her lover. Right? And I've mentioned this, I think, before, but spy cams are a widespread problem in South Korea. And You know, personally, I can't believe the kind of violence that a person is willing to enact on their lover, okay? Like, having sex is an act of love. It's an intimate act. How are you going to go and film yourself and your lover without her consent or knowledge and then leak that tape out into the world? I mean, what what mindset what what's going on there i don't understand that logic at all and yet this is a rampant problem in south korea anyway like this guy does this and and then what happens like her ex-husband 
fucking takes that sex tape and then shows it to their child who was in grade school to manipulate him into hating his mother. I mean, that's it's just like the the fucking decisions that these male adults make on this show are heinous, heinous. And it's so fucking triggering. Like, I can't stand it. But I really love the scene when Shin Sung-an sits down with uh, Yoo Seo-jin's son, Hyunwoo. And, and Hyunwoo is, like, telling her, I mean, telling Sung-an, like, oh, I have these, like, images in my head that I just want to get out. And that's in reference to the sex tape of his mother that he's seen. And Shin Sung-an gets very real with him. He says, those images are not going to go away. Yeah, you have to learn to live with them. But he also says, but your mother loves you and she wants to make things right with you. You know, like he does bring in the hope. He gets real with the boy, but he also brings in hope. And I think the reason why Shin Sung-an is able to get real with this kid is because Shin Sung-an is also a trauma survivor. It's very obvious that he's a trauma survivor, right? That's why he colors grapes on a wall. That's why he plays the piano when he's drunk. And that's why he sings trap music, belts it out on the top of his lungs and listens to it really loudly in his car and in his, in his home. So in this regard, the show actually has an excellent message as to how to cope with your trauma. Do whatever it is that you need to do in order to elevate your mood. Do whatever it takes to feel better and to ground yourself, whether it's coloring grapes or singing and dancing to trap music or, you know, eating ramyeon, whatever it is that you need to do. Just go and do it, right? Like, wave your freak flag. It doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? This is what you need in order to feel good. So why stop yourself from doing it, you know? And it's like, after you start applying that logic to your life, it's it's unthinkable to not do them anymore, to not do the fun things, to not do the healthy things. It just becomes unthinkable after a while. So in this regard, like, Shin Sang-han is a very uh, interesting exemplary character. Like, oh, how does one live with trauma in a fulfilling way? And Shin Sang-han is that answer. He's also the direct opposite of Lee Seo-jin in a lot of ways because Shin Sung-an doesn't care that he's doing like a children's coloring book on the wall or singing trap music, which a lot of people would find to be cheesy or, you know, crass or weird, you know? But he doesn't give a shit. Whereas Lee Seo-jin gives a lot of shit. She is trapped under the spell of constantly glancing around and being concerned with other people's looks being concerned with other people's judgments, right? And she's concerned that people might judge her for her infidelity. She's afraid that they might judge her for being a divorcee. She's afraid that they might judge her for being a victim of a sex crime, okay? And in this groundbreaking book written by Dr. Judith Herman called Trauma and Recovery, she states very clearly that when a woman suffers sexual assault, she is not only a victim of sexual assault, but she will also become a victim of being outcasted by her entire community. Yeah, the community will always side with the aggressor or the quote-unquote person in power because human beings are in general weak and they will always side with the more powerful, more aggressive person. Isajin is somebody who is a victim, but her society doesn't treat her as such. 
Okay, and I really love the fact that this show follows through Lee Seo-jin's storyline because even though sex crimes happen to female celebrities very often, not only in South Korea, but also in Hollywood, all around the world this happens, women who are disgraced publicly, we don't really know what happens to them afterwards. We don't really know what goes on in their personal lives, right? And in Lee Seo-jin's case, like, she's constantly worried about other people's judgmental looks and she shuts the world out. She shuts herself into the home and she shuts the world out. And there's a moment when she's online shopping for shoes for her son and she's like, oh, these these shoes look comfortable. And then her son says, how do you know that they're comfortable when we haven't tried them on? And it's like this very poignant moment where he's alerting her to something. It's like you keep projecting what people's judgments are about you and you've preemptively decided that they're judging you harshly. And criticizing you harshly rather than actually putting yourself out there and seeing what people's reaction to you might actually be like. Furthermore, who gives a shit? I mean, who honestly gives a shit, right? Like, what happened to her sucks. What those men did to her is awful. I mean, that's not going to change, right? And some people are going to judge her. Some people are going to talk shit. Whatever, you know, it's like, just let it go. And her son says, please don't lose to your critics. Right? I mean, the message is like, stop caring so much about what people think about you and your life. I watched uh, John Mulaney's stand-up special, Baby J, this past week, and I thought it was brilliant because he just admits very flat out and openly, he was like, I cared so much about what people thought about me. And that was why he was a, you know, drug addict, because he cared constantly about what people might think of him. And it made him so afraid that he needed drugs to cope with that. I thought the show writer did a really good job at pulling the thread on the anti-fan storyline, because Yisajin has this anti-fan when she starts doing YouTube videos. And this anti-fan like wrote like really harsh comments, like telling her to go die or whatever. And it turns out like it was written by some kid like some teenage kid who is disgruntled because she is a victim of neglect from her parents. So she's just mad, right? That's why she went and wrote these harsh comments on Yisa Jin's YouTube channel. And I think this is applicable to literally the entire online community, literally to every one of us. Like all of us are a little kid who is throwing a tantrum. Like we're disgruntled about something. And when we go online and write comments with razors in them we're doing it because you know because we're unhappy about something that's not satisfying us for instance like when the world flipped out over the whole Dalai Lama exchange with that little kid which I didn't even know about until like people started posting it on social media like because I don't read the news and you know like a friend of mine was talking about it. I was like what are you talking about and she told me what happened and I was like okay but When the world flipped out over this exchange, right, and when people were reacting to the Dalai Lama and saying that he's a sex offender, all I'm hearing is those people who reacted that way, all of them are saying, I was sexually molested or I am a victim of sexual assault. That's what they're saying. When people say, oh, the Dalai Lama is a sex offender, they're all saying, I am a victim of sexual assault. And so it goes. The ego's reactionary moments, okay, like... That comes out to say, I have this need, or I have this hurt, I have this pain, I have this injury. Yeah. And it's like we cloak it like it's a disguise to go and point fingers at 
strangers, essentially. We don't know the Dalai Lama personally, you know? Anyway, when we have these ego reactionary moments, I think it's all right to acknowledge that we're human and we're suffering. But it's also important to forgive ourselves for these ego moments and these ego tantrums, these human moments. I think it's okay to forgive ourselves. It's necessary to forgive ourselves. And then figure out what our needs are. Yeah, and then meet those needs on our own. Because writing nasty comments online, it's not going to fix that inner problem. It's not. It's just really not. If you think that is, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not going to do anything. Really love the show, but the ratings were lousy. And I saw that the show has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes sense because it's an excellent show. But it's sad that it's only 12 episodes. And I noticed that it got cut. It was supposed to be 16, but it got cut. And I started to lose track of the storyline, like especially towards the end, because the pacing was rushed. Yeah, they were cramming in a lot more in there than they could have. You know, by cutting it down to 12 episodes. And it's a travesty that shows that are wholesome and real and good get cut. It's a fucking travesty. I, I can't stand it. I really love the show. I think it's great. And Cho Seung-woo, excellent actor, really fine actor. Fun fact, Cho Seung-woo used to date Kang Hye-jung, actress Kang Hye-jung. Kang Hye-jung is the uh, lead actress in the movie Old Boy by Park Chan-wook. Yeah. And as we all know, Kang Yejung is now married to Tablo and is now the mother to Haru, who is a world famous little girl because of the show Return of Superman. Yeah. So anyway, I, th- I thought that was a fun fact to share. Yeah. Kang Yejung. Wow. What a what a what a dating track record you have, girl. My guest today is Ruby Bachmeyer, who is an L.A.-based comedian. Very funny. Very, very funny. And we have a really great talk. So let's talk to Ruby Bachmeyer. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, no problem, Grace. How are you this morning? Good. What about you? Are you at your house? Mm-hmm. I'm in my closet. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, during uh, the like early part of COVID, well, it's like December 2020, I was like, I should turn my closet into a sound studio. <laughs> Many people do that, so that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, like, do I wish I had more closet space? Yeah, but also... Yeah, where do you put your clothes? <laughs> Most of them are in my giant suitcase that I... <laughs> that I leave um yeah and then you know like what it also okay it also forces me to like kind of Marie Kondo my life you know like I take stuff to you know goodwill and yeah okay yeah for yeah yeah I don't know like do you do you get attached to all your clothes and save shit I kind of do um yeah I have three bins in my closet that have clothes that I never wear or use but I'm not gonna get rid of them you know because you never know yeah like what what is it that what are we waiting for right I don't well it's like what if you want that one item and you fucking toss it out and you're like that would have been the perfect item I know and and you'll be thinking about it like that whole day like oh I used to have it it was right in my bin in my closet I could have gotten it but I threw it out yeah see we're avoiding that yeah that feeling i don't know some of it is also like i don't know if there are clothes that like stop fitting you know then it becomes oh yeah wish that's all my clothes it's (laughs) so fit me but i'm holding on hope that one day they will i'm like okay perfect 
<laughs> it's yet to happen in my 29 years of living, but whatever. We'll see. Because if you fit in them, you're going to want yeah. something new. So it's, yeah. We're, we're sick. You know, you never know. Like, 29, that's, like, nothing. Like, people change fucking, like, Adele, you know. She, like, lost a yeah. bunch of weight in her 30s. Like, you know, some people lose a bunch of weight in their 40s or 50s. Like, yeah. the people who transform their bodies in their 60s, who cares? What, Whatever. Yeah. yeah, I'm holding on to those fucking bins. Yeah, as long as they bring you joy and hope. Whatever. They bring me hope. Not joy, but hope. <laughs> <laughs> okay this this is something i was so curious about and Mm -hmm. i was like i gotta i gotta ask her when did you change your name to ruby so that was like in 2020 because it's my middle name and my friends call me that and so it's like a basically like a nickname and stuff and so i was like maybe i should just go by like ruby because it's like my friends call me that and i feel like i like it better and um so then I did that and then people thought, and also I um, lost a bunch of weight too. So people thought I was like transitioning. <laughs> they were like, uh, and then I'm, I used to have blonde hair and now I have brown hair. So people were like, what the fuck? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so people just were like, oh, that's, she's going through something. <laughs> like, yeah. And then it's like almost three years later and um, I still get looks sometimes. They were like, uh, you know, and I'm just, I'm going to write it out for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, I swear to God, her name was Caitlin, but now it's Ruby. People think that. They have no idea. It was like a mindfuck thing because you kind of like ninja moved your way into this transformation of Bachmeyer 2.0. I know. That's all it is. It was just, it's literally like Facebook doesn't upgrade and we're like, what the hell is going on? Like, and the people get outraged, but it's like, there's nothing to be outraged about. It's just, it's just little changes. Mm-hmm. or a massive change you know i understand and uh, changing your name is psychotic but i mean people just don't know i always went by that like outside of like comedy yeah. it just they yeah. didn't know so I, yeah. I get it yeah you're you're actually i i admire the change because it sounds like you went from like your you know legal name caitlin which is like uh but then it's like no you have the more colloquial name that people call you by that makes you feel good that like your favorite people address you by and it's like more friendly and makes you feel closer and now you want that to be your stage presence as well like you want to fully embody that identity i think i get it yeah well and my grandma's name's ruby and so she likes to call me little ruby little ruby oh <laughs> so funny so, so um so uh yeah maybe i'll go by little ruby now i don't know who knows yeah like, little ruby bachmeyer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll just change it every three years and see yeah yeah, yeah like eternally fuck up people forever yeah yeah and then i'll have no name and it is what it is okay good thank thanks for clarifying that because it was like haunting me for a while i was like what what's happening like did i hallucinate this other caitlin person and like what's happening <laughs> it was so confusing yeah see, people get confused and i just like never i'm just like yeah they can they can figure it out <laughs> it's fine right like quote unquote figure it out meaning they're gonna make up stuff in their heads that yeah has nothing to do with your reality yeah that's what's yeah, happening i'll let them go crazy <laughs> It's 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 really fascinating how our human brain just does that. If there's no answer to something, we just make shit up, and mm-hmm. and then we believe it. It becomes yeah. a reality. It's that's yeah. the fucked up thing. Like we're superheroes. 
<laughs> why are we left to just like do that though it's dangerous in a way it's like almost irresponsible for our brains to do that you know i know but i guess you just i i feel like i just never think about things so then i just <laughs> i really don't put that much thought into a lot of things i do so i just i don't have like like people are always like can you help me um they're always asking but if someone's like yeah i need to write a joke about this i'm like i got nothing I'm like, <laughs> nothing's going on up here uh you good luck like you know i can't do it Godspeed. Yeah, forever. No, I think I think you're such a great joke writer. I think you're so funny. And um, no, I, I love your bit about uh, fucking Pepper. Is it Pepperdine University? Like your oh, cousin yes. who goes there? Yeah. Okay. That university. What is up with that university? It is, to me, just my association of it. It is mm -hmm. so like, it's like the school that uh, future Hollywood agents and executives go to and they're all white wasp douchebags and and it's set in fucking Malibu like what <laughs> well it's really weird because I went to visit my cousin there because really she like called me and uh, we never hung out she's like 10 years younger than me so we never we're not that close but she I went there to visit her the campus is so far away like if you're coming from anywhere like on the east side like it's gonna take an hour and 10 minutes yeah, like it takes forever. forever it's also so secluded so like the only town is like malibu or santa monica but you have to have a car to get there yeah where you could bike but it's also just like i don't know it's like a lot and so it's yeah i feel like it's like if you're not rich and have a car and balling out like most college kids especially freshman year they don't have a car they're like oh living on God. campus you're oh like stranded. stranded and then but like I get like Brentwood's like a fun area to go out in, but it's like if you're in Pepper, it's just it's just it just seems like a, I mean it's a rich school, but it's just and it's small and it's just weird. Like when I got there, I was like, oh god. But and um, and they're very Christian. Like that's the other yeah. thing. They're yeah, like dogmatically scary. Christian. That's the scary yeah. thing. It's not a party school. <laughs> it's not like I feel like when. I was never like, oh, this isn't like a fun time. You know what I mean? This is like a little straight and narrow. Like people are playing foosball. That's like their Saturday night, you know? So it's not like, it's not like you're not going to get people falling off balconies like the good days <laughs> in college. So it's just like, it sucks. But yeah. Where so did you go to school? I went to Washington State University where that Idaho killer was going to. Oh, Remember nice. that guy that killed those four kids in Idaho? <laughs> I don't I I don't really know much about serial killers in America, but now I know. Well, this, That's good to this know. just happened. That's why it's crazy. Oh. So this so, guy was going to my college studying like I think criminal law or something. Oh my and, god, he was a student. Yes. But oh, he was no. older. He was probably getting he was probably in his thirties, but he there my school's on the border of Idaho and Washington. So people okay. it's like a freeway that's eight miles and you get yeah. to the University of Idaho. Okay. So there are two colleges like right next to each other yeah. and people go to Idaho all the time for like, I don't know, because we're out in the middle of nowhere. So it's yeah. just like a next small town. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and he went over there and killed like these four students in like their apartment <gasps> or something. And it made national news. Everyone's talking about it. Oh, shit. I don't read the but, news or watch the news anymore. So that's why I missed it. But okay. yeah, it was just like really our claim to fame. as a <laughs> Yeah, it sounds so, like it. It really, so, you know. Put you guys on the map yeah put it your, did put your university on the map yeah. i i've been to idaho i went to boise like mm. two years ago in the summer to literally vacation there 
Oh and yeah, Boise is beautiful in the summer. It was so beautiful, like yeah. massive, and like there's this place called Star Lake or something, and it was so epically gorgeous. Yeah, and and expensive. I was surprised oh. at how expensive Boise, Idaho was. Yeah, I thought, oh, well, it's Boise, Idaho. It's gonna be like everything's gonna be like four cents, but no, it was like as expensive as LA, if not more. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it is because people like now know about Boise and it's like a vacation spot, like Sun River yes. is like that. And yes. I feel like, yeah, that's all they have. Idaho is Boise, you know, if they don't if they don't have that and they have like Aaron Paul. I don't know if you've seen his like cabin that he made outside of Boise. Oh. It's like this beautiful like home. And it. I feel like everybody who's rich that can like that, like skiing and stuff or like yeah. lakes and rivers like they would go to. They like to go to the Pacific Northwest in general, but yeah. people can't really handle the weather, I find. Like, they go, oh, yeah, uh. I love it in the summer, but I'm like, okay, well, the other 10 months. Literally, <laughs> you get two months of good weather, and then 10 months, it's, like, raining the entire year. It's great. It's, it's not, uh, like, a beautiful spot. So, I'm just, I like, get it. Okay. try it out. So, it's, like, kind of similar to, like, Seattle and, like, or, like, Portland a little bit with the gray weather yeah. and stuff. Well, yeah, and Boise gets a lot of snow, and it's, like, cold. It's, like, harsher. But, I mean, the Pacific Northwest in general is, like, dog shit weather until <laughs> the summer. So it's just – it just depends what you like. I yeah. Guess. And you grew up in California, right? I grew up in Washington State – at Washington State. So on the oh. border of Washington, uh, Oregon. So, like, near Portland, Oregon, kind of. Oh, oh, my God. I thought you grew up in Cali for some reason. Okay. All right. I guess I have that vibe. I I love um I actually love like that weather. I actually don't mind it. I remember like this past winter like when it was like s- like sleeting and snowing and like raining in LA <laughs> for like yeah. weeks. I was like very happy. I was like, "Oh, my god, love this rain." Like <laughs> I was like yeah. a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. I know I like it too. I hate the heat, but um like I'm wearing a sweatshirt. It's like 85 degrees outside. It's so I hot keep- today. Yeah. Yeah, I keep the AC cranking. um but yeah it's it's nice the northwest is nice it's it's fine i mean i would never live there again but it is nice yeah why would you not live there again there's nothing there i mean it's just like yeah i don't know it's a lot of it's like a it's just not i don't know i don't know where else i'd live but i think portland is like whatever seattle is like uh like i don't love seattle either but Huh. It's just like two city. It's a lot of suburbs and people drive into the city and like yeah. do stuff. But yeah. I also hate Arizona. My mom lives in Arizona. Arizona is <laughs> disgusting. I, I went to a psychic one time and she randomly goes, what's up with Arizona? You don't like it? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I really hate it. So good. So yeah, she's like, yeah, you need to visit your mom, but you just hate Arizona. I was like, yeah, I know. It sucks. That's hilarious. I love I yeah. love when psychics do that. That's the best. <laughs> I know. Something that's like not even like on my mind. And I was like, I guess I really have the hard feelings about Arizona. Yeah. It's it's like that. Like once we make a certain decision about something, it just becomes part of our consciousness, subconsciousness. And then people like that can fucking read it out. And I know. So it's, so life becomes scary again. Life just becomes a ter- fucking terrifying <laughs> experience again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, where are you from? I'm from New York. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we have extreme weathers in New York. Well, we have four seasons in New York. And yeah, that's nice. All of them are kind of extreme if you think about it. Like spring is just pollen, like insanity. Like the all the 
cars get covered with light green from the pollen in the air. And um, in the winter, like we get blizzards. And in the fall, it's like obnoxiously beautiful, you know, it's like super gorgeous colors everywhere. And everybody's like high on it. And everybody's happy to be wearing light jackets again. Like everybody's crazy in the fall. And then the summers are humid as hell. I grew up in Brooklyn and in Rockland County. Rockland County Mm. was definitely a culture shock for me because it's like, how do I compare it to? It's like going from LA to, I don't know, like, I don't know, Orange County. Yeah. It's like going from LA to Orange County. So I was just like, whoa, you know, it's like very like Irish waspy and Mm -hmm. um, like racist. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, it was a culture shock yeah yeah super yeah i believe that yeah Yeah. that's how kind of the northwest is it's just a lot of white people you know i did notice that like especially when i whenever i go to portland and i do stand up i just notice the like the white guilt is so intense in portland yeah the, the laughs that you get for telling any any remotely ethnic joke is like four decibels higher and it's like, what are they overcompensating for? It's like very funny, like when I go it's, and. Yeah, I mean, we live. Yeah, it's all white people. Like I, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There's no, there's no, there's like, there's some like Russians and Ukrainians, and then that's about it. Like it's like pretty. <laughs> we're all white there. I love that the Russians and Ukrainians are the most ethnic. That. <laughs> yeah, they were. It. Yeah, <laughs> and we're like, whoa, and then like, there's no Jewish people, like. LA is the first time I ever saw Jewish people. I was like, well, that's different. You know, like you just don't. Yeah, there's nobody up there. Yeah, I guess there are not a lot of Jews like in Oregon, huh? That's weird no. and funny. But I think um, Oregon's beautiful, though. Like just, yeah. And Seattle, like, like Washington is beautiful, too, because you do get weather. And so there's a lot of greenery and like nature wise, it is epically gorgeous, just like Idaho. and yeah i mean the one thing i give to white people is like they're good at colonizing beautiful places you know it's like yeah they see a beautiful spot and they're like oh that's beautiful it's mine now yeah <laughs> like, we did that in northwest good at that. Mm-hmm. it was great <laughs> lewis and clark he's our homie <laughs> <laughs> okay so washington all right that's dope you know like this whole like not feeling quite at home at the places like you live in that's something I kind of empathize with because like I don't know about you but I have this like maybe a romantic feeling or romantic longing that I will one day find the place that feels like absolute home to me and I will settle there forever you know it's Mm -hmm. like similar to like you know when guys are like in their 20 no like when guys reach a certain age and they become disillusioned by life they go they go like I want to just buy a ranch somewhere and like farm and stuff. You know, they want to become a cowboy all of a sudden. I think that's why there's so many like cowboy supply stores like in like fucking Sonoma and like Napa Valley and shit because they want to go and fulfill that life. But it's like that for me, but with like a city potentially. I don't know. Yeah, one day you'll find it. Who knows? I mean, honestly, I just have it's probably wherever you can afford a house at this point. Who fucking knows? I don't know. That's a big factor too. I mean, yeah, 
LA's getting more and more expensive, like constantly. It's insane. Like the place I live in right now, the rent is like, I moved in here late 2019. And mm-hmm. then the rent was like 1300 And it's not a big place. It's a fucking studio. It's not the nicest whatever. But it's got everything I need. Yeah. That rent has gone up $300. And now for this tiny fucking crappy place, it's $1,600. Yeah, see, that sucks. And they haven't even like, probably renovated it or anything. That's about it's it. like more or less the same. Yeah. yeah. Is that your cat? You have a cat? Oh, yeah. This is That's Dewey. Hi, Dewey. Dewey. <laughs> That's, I didn't... that's not my cat it's my i live with that cat but it's my oh, roommate but yeah he, he's that's like nice he has no nose. <laughs> yeah no oh i live with my best friend so she's like family but dewey's just you know, i get I'm it really any, i'm not an animal person per se but you know i i just i do yeah <laughs> i don't bother him he doesn't bother me and we're fine okay. got it yeah dewey you okay. got peace yeah, yeah yeah no um like years ago this was in New York. My roommate was a college roommate and she was a dog walker, but her dog walking coworker, his girlfriend was like, oh, she's going to move in with me. I have cats and she has a cat, but my cats don't get along with her cat. So can you take care of her cat for a few months is what he said to my roommate. And I was like, what, do you, what does he mean by a few months? And then yeah. they just kept it vague, few months. And it turned into a year and a half. And it ruined my relationship with my roommate. (laughs) That's insane. I would fucking never do that. That's nuts. Um, I hated that cat. It was not, and it's not because I hate cats. Cats are fine, but it's like, it's what the cat represented. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a, that's fucked up. I would, I would have given the cat away or something. I'm like, if you don't take this fucking cat out, put it on the side of the road. Because it was, she was like one of these people that just can't confront anybody about anything, you know? Yeah, it's annoying. It's like he he said a few months, which is vague. Mm-hmm. A few months can be three months to thirty six months, you know? Yeah, apparently, Jesus Christ, and, that's crazy. And I was like, when are you gonna like bring the cat back? Like, does, doesn't the owner miss her cat? Like that was even more fucked up. It's like, where were they? They abandoned in 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 New York somewhere, somewhere like in Queens or Brooklyn or some other fucking not that far. It was in the same. They never came to visit the cat. I was just like, and the cat was. It's not like the cat was, you know, young. Like like this woman lived with that cat for seven, eight years or something. Did she pay her for like the cat food and stuff? No. <laughs> okay, that's that's the so cat funny. also had anxiety, so like we had to put pills like in the food. <laughs> we gave uh, the cat like anti-anxiety medicine i guess cats have anti-anxiety medicine i'm just like how would you diagnose anxiety in a cat and then yeah. why like i don't I, I don't know how i feel about that like when it comes to emotional conditions of animals because like how do you get their consent what if they want to <laughs> be anxiety driven yeah. yeah that's that's odd i I don't, yeah, I'm not down for that. I, I have no problem telling someone, no, thank you. No, thanks. That's crazy. No, don't want to do that. Like That's no, crazy. It I is. Know, that is nuts. Yeah, I don't know. I, I Sometimes I look back on that and I'm like, maybe I should have handled it better. But also I'm just like, no, I couldn't have done it any better because uh, I hated that fucking cat. <laughs> yeah. 
that's hard when you live with an animal you don't like that's fucked up i mean dewey's fine like he's I'm like, so he's yeah, very he's chill like, yeah yeah he's fine yeah he's fine he's just hairy that's the only thing cats like cats are interesting like that like they're curious I, I don't know i kind of um empathize like i could relate i don't know if you feel like this sometimes you but you like know a cat yeah like when when you know people are like excited and like they start talking about something and you just i just kind of feel like oh like whatever they're talking about like doesn't sound that exciting why are they overreacting but at the same time it's like i kind of want to be in the vicinity of that energy a little bit like there's some excitement mm-hmm. there but i don't want to yeah. be involved and participate does that make sense that's a bit yeah cat that energy, is a cat. Like. that is cat yeah. energy for sure yeah I, I get that but i don't know i i feel like i need to work on it you know it makes it's a bit antisocial behavior yeah i need to work i on think it. we we need more antisocial behavior honestly people get too <laughs> comfortable too quick i'm like learn how to have boundaries like jesus christ don't fucking say hi to me you don't know me you know it's like god jesus i feel like <laughs> girls just like come up to me and they fucking tell me their life story i'm like ah uh, hello like you god you know like do you have any friends yeah. to talk to it's so i hate yeah. that yeah so I think well people yeah need to keep it to themselves a lot of comics do that too that's kind of like the downside of what we do is like comics lack that you know ability to yeah filter yeah that's true and then it's like well you're crazy (laughs) you know it's like that's why i hate whenever you're like at the improv or something you see people they're like how are how are you what's new i'm like oh nothing and then they fucking tell me what's new for their life i'm like i said nothing so that was code for you to say nothing you know like we're not gonna have a conversation come on like jesus christ and then they just like, go on i'm like oh my fucking god oh good no you seem to you seem to uh live a pretty like fun like in terms of fun you seem to have like a very healthy you know thing going you know because like i see like you go to concerts like you go to live shows like you go to events like you know that's it you know what's funny is a lot of comics come up to me and tell me that they're like oh where are you going next we were just here today i'm like yeah i mean i guess i do a lot of things but i'm like are you guys just like fucking weirdos that like don't do anything or like no friends you know i just i mean i yeah. would never do do anything unless my friend like i just have weird friends that like to do stuff and they like uh, make me go like yeah, it's not like it. i'm planning these things like i yeah. just have to go because they want me to go you know and so i'm like yeah. i guess I understand that. Oh, uh, I actually I remember you saying this because I wanted you to be in my lineup when I was headlining at the improv and you were oh, like, yeah. My friends are taking me somewhere. It's so annoying, but I have to go. And I'm like, Okay. Enjoy. Yeah. It sounds like a fun trip. <laughs> well, because I have I say no all the time to them, like on the daily, like with like hanging out because I'm like going to mics or like shows or whatever. So like yeah. when they and they like to try like my friends have their own business and they don't work all the, they literally work three days a week. So like they go everywhere. Yeah. And so they always like are like planning trips and like certain trips that I like, have. Like we're going to the Grand Canyon in July. Wow. And it's like a four thousand dollar trip to go fucking eight days in the Grand Canyon. It's like insane. And yeah. if I didn't if I didn't go, they would literally scorch my head off because we've been planning <laughs> it for two years. And I yeah. I have to go. So now I'm like working weekends at like catering events to <laughs> fucking like afford to go to this fucking eight day camping trip. And I'm like yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. So I, I like it's things like that that I have to do. But it will be fun. But it's just like, it sounds like it will be epic. It will be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've well, I've done it before. That's the thing. I did it for my mom's 60th oh. birthday. Oh wow. And I took my best friend who I live with, and she's like, oh my god. 
we need to do this with all our friends and we'll be drinking on the raft. It's going to be so fun. Da, da, da. <laughs> and so then she made like all these 14 people sign up two years in advance. And now everyone's like, it's like three months away. And everyone's like, oh my God, you know? So yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, this friend of yours sounds really, really um, she, like they sound like the kind of person that you would want for precisely things like this. Cause I mm-hmm. would hate to be this planner. I would lose oh, my too. fucking head. I would be screaming at everybody and blow my own head off. Like it sounds so stressful, but there's yeah, some people who thrive on this kind of thing. Yeah. She's a planner. She likes to plan squad functions. So it's like, you just got to show face, you know, I I'm good at like a function. Like I'll clean the kitchen for you. I'll take out your trash. I'll pick up the ice. I just don't want to like have to talk to everybody, you know? So I'll just like, yes. I'll be busy in the kitchen when people are mingling. Like, I don't really feel like I want exactly. like, to talk, you know? Exactly. So. I told a hundred, a thousand percent understand that mm-hmm. when my friend has a barbecue and I like barbecues just cause I like smoky food. <laughs> like it. Mm. I, I like a good grill and I like the food out of the grill that's literally why I like a barbecue I don't like a barbecue yeah. for all the other things that come with it which is like strangers or friends of friends and they want to all talk like who are you what do you do what do yeah. you do and it's like stop asking me what I do I don't know what the I, fuck I do I stress myself I out every day wondering what I do so don't ask me you know so what I do is I stand by the grill and I grill for hours and I'm oh, nice. so happy there. I'm like, don't ask me for anything. Don't touch me. I will cook all your food and put it on that tray. And you go and get the food from that tray. But you leave me the yeah. fuck alone. Like, this is a sacred <laughs> space. Me and my fire. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you still teach? No. I, no. I stopped uh, any UCLA or university activity in 2021. Like, oh, wow. I was like, done. I, I, yeah, it's not for me. It's not that I hate um, teaching. I don't like all the bullshit that comes with teaching, like university hierarchy, university politics, mm-hmm. like students that come to universities, not all of them, but a great majority of them are a little crazy because they spend way too much money on education and they're all fucking terrified and stressed out. And so yeah. are their parents. So they come in all disgruntled, wanting to start shit with any professor that they're like unhappy with or, you know, so it just turns into like a fucking shit show. And I'm just like, I'm not down with any of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's nice. You got up. It's been a while. That's cool. Yeah. It's still getting out of my system. If I'm totally honest with you, it's like, I don't know. Did you like grow up at a church or anything? Not really, no. Okay, you're lucky. Like, I was, like, brought up in a Protestant church since elementary school because my dad had a DUI and he became a born-again Christian. Oh, and nice. it just sucked. Like, yeah. I have, like, severe PTSD from church. It's the point where when I watch a show, I was talking about this with, like, some other people, but, like, if a show has, like, church scenes where the uh-huh. congregation's like singing and praying, I have to fast forward it or leave the room because it's so triggering. Oh, wow. Because it's <laughs> yeah. so boring when you're there. Yeah, I know. Every kid hates church. I'm like, I've never met a kid that loves going to church. I fucking, yeah, it's like the worst thing ever. Well, it is. I mean, yeah, some of the, like, listening to the 
preacher talk can be boring, but it was more the environment. It was such a stressful. Actually, now that I'm saying this, it it's making me realize like what what I avoid. It's the stressful environment that the people create. So it's like the mm-hmm. same as like a barbecue or a university or a church. It's that people come, people are yeah. there, and when people gather, craziness happens. Like you know, all this pathology surface and i hate i don't want to be anywhere near it and it's like the church i used to go to was like a korean church and koreans are all fucking crazy because of their bullshit and it was like scarring and i was like never as soon as i turned 18 i'm gone and i was (laughs) like deuces well my my grandma ruby is a huge christian and i remember going to church with her like as a kid and she'd be like putting her hands up in the sky crying I'm like grandma you're embarrassing me stop crying put your hands down she was was like it's the lord I'm like god I was like so embarrassed I was like this is so humiliating uh I'd be like so I would hate it I was like get it together you know it's like old people shit like god so she's like feeling it I'm like doing it in the right setting like that's what they do in a church like at least she wasn't doing it like in a parking lot or at the mall or at a restaurant you know like oh she's prayed at a restaurant and shed some tears and i literally have to look down like i'm like oh my god it's like we're at a chili's grandma what the fuck you know like jesus the lord is not in the chili's at this moment like god it's so weird but yeah oh so she was like a hard like hardcore christian like prays at every meal kind of meal yeah she would yeah and then one time it was Christmas time and she made us like pray before we opened presents and everybody started laughing like <laughs> during the prayer like everybody and it was so awkward she got her feelings hurt and she went to her room and so we opened up presents without Grandma Ruby and I was like oh sorry Grandma <laughs> it was just funny you know we just felt so awkward we're like okay okay clearly Grandma Ruby's had some trauma clearly yeah. Grandma Ruby suffered a lot like she's been through some shit because yeah, she I think so. Yeah, think so. she needs the Lord on a constant, you know. Yeah. To me, that's she, all it is. Yeah. She uh she just wants to go to heaven. And I'm like, Grandma, I think you're gonna get there, you know. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. She used to be addicted to soap operas and gambling and she used to be an alcoholic, so she's lived a fun life. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Amazing. But now she just now she just goes on Facebook and posts like forty times a day, like christian memes and watches hallmark yeah she found a new addiction it's a she different did. Addiction. yeah yeah yes oh i love that she went through these phases or did they all happen at once the alcoholism gambling and the soap different, operas different stages yeah different one time phases. for spring break we went to the oregon coast and there's a casino there and yeah. my grandma ruby lost all the all her money to pay for the hotel <laughs> with like thousands of dollars <gasps> my grandma was like bawling and then she lost all this money and then I think she had to go back to the casino the next day and she won it back. But my mom oh, actually good. told me that story and I thought that was so funny. I was like, wow, she really is a, just a bad Amazing. bitch on, on yeah. the plots. My God. That is, that is some bad bitch energy. See, I think that's the addictive part. You feel like mm. a bad bitch when you're on a high, you know? Yeah. But that's the like wobbly thing. It's like you could end up feeling like the biggest fucking loser too by literally yeah. losing all of it in an instant. I know yeah yeah i know oh who was i'm so this woman is fascinating wait who was she married to like what did her husband do uh my so my grandma was married to this guy named merlin who is my grandpa and he um he died like forever yeah merlin and he 
was like I don't he wasn't in a gang but he was like they got divorced at one point and then got back together and married again so and then um and, oh my god she's uh, such an my, addict like everything yeah. is like the most addict behavior ever okay well it's funny because she had my mom she had my mom and my uncle so my grandma had three kids with my grandfather and then they got divorced uh-huh. and and then she got remarried and so my mom thought her dad was this guy and then my grandpa comes back in the picture and she's like wait that's my dad and my grandma's like yeah that's your real dad like what and then um yeah but he was like a meat cutter at a grocery store for a long time I mean they were so fucking old so like he was like a meat cutter at a grocery store my grandma was also working with him but like they got married when they were like 18 and then divorced at 24 and then back together and it's just like Mm -hmm. a whole thing they were both like alcoholics and then they got Mm -hmm. into AA and then they would have like like homeless people who would like addiction problems come live at the house with them yeah yeah and they travel over and like preach preach about AA to people or something. Uh-huh. Um, and they had like they each had like crazy amount of siblings, like twelve siblings each. It was just like a different time. They're like very old. Like my so, grandma was like eighty yeah. something. So they were also neglected because they came from a huge family. Yeah. Were were they like farmers, like farmer children and stuff, or just I, Catholic I, or whatever? I, I think my grandfather was, and then my grandma was actually, my mom says that she was a spoiled kid. She had, like, a pet monkey and, like, a, a pony. Got it. Got it. Yeah, like, she oh. was a spoiled kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then she met my grandfather, who's, like, this badass. Like, I think he kind of looked, like, um, in yeah. Greece, you know, like. Got it. Like, the, mm-hmm. like, the, 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 the leather guys jacket, a rugged kind of bad boy yes. look. That's what he looked like. So got I think it. my grandma was a little slut and, like, went for the bad boy. <laughs> And then, and then uh, they loved to drink together and then they broke up and then love found a way and they were back together. And I thought they were like the coolest couple when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he, he died and she kind of lost her pizzazz. I was like, you know, I think grandpa was really the cooler one. <laughs> he was like, I think he like drove a Corvette and stuff and like was really cool. And then my, yeah. and he would smoke cigarettes every day and play solitaire. <laughs> and he was just like a fucking yeah. G. And then my grandma, <laughs> my grandma just has gone downhill ever since. Just, you know, now she's like fucking Jesus every night. I swear to God. She's like, yeah. that's her dream man. I love it. Thank you. That's such a good story. I love your grandparents' story. That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually like like a fantasy, isn't it? Um, for people to like when they're younger, you know, when you're younger, you're like a different version of who you are, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's not who you are. But you fall in love with somebody, you think you're in love, you think this is forever, but then you know, people grow, people change. It's inevitable. And then it's like I don't know who I fucking married. Like, I'm not this person. Yeah. You're not that person. They break up. Years later, it's like, oh, they find each other again. There is something very romantic about that in a way. In a way. Yeah. Um, but also, I like, know. you have to wonder. It's like, like, how? Because, like, there was a change. But then did they morph back? Is that a regression? Or did they both change progressively and then meet in another thing? It's like a funny thing. Yeah, I think it is funny. And especially back then, I don't think getting divorced was popular. So I think that was kind of crazy. And then and then you remarry right away, I think, because of shame or whatever. You need help raising mm. kids. And then and then I guess my grandpa just came back in the photo picture. And he, he yeah. was like, you know, what's up? But yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. And I always thought it was funny because my grandma was always way bigger than my grandpa. So my grandpa's like this skinny guy. And my grandma's Ruby's like a big bitch. <laughs> it was so funny. And then one time we were at Disneyland together and my grandma's like, like big spooning my my grandpa and I thought it was so cute I was like oh my god I love that grandpa Merlin gets down with the big bitches you know it was like (laughs) wow so funny it's just like hilarious so it was great I'll never get over the fact that his name's Merlin (laughs) your grandmother's name's Ruby it's like a stone like a gemstone you know it's like mysticism mysticism (laughs) Ruby Stoner that was her maiden name and I think that's so funny. I'm like, what did your fucking parents do? You know? So I just think and stoner is just amazing. So that is yeah. amazing. Oh my God. I, grandparents are just funny. You know, it's like, it's, they're funny because they're not our parents, you know, like for me, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm trying to get to a point where I can laugh at my parents more. It's like, I'm, I'm slowly getting there. You know, it's, it, it's, it's a thing. It's a journey. But like with my grandparents, whatever they do, to my mom it's like shitty when i hear it or see it but yeah it's also like if i were my mom but from my perspective it's hilarious like yes. even though i know what they're doing is shitty to her like i can't help but laugh my ass off like when my grandfather acts like a dick you know, I know. It's, just, it's funny i know and it's like my mom my grandma ruby lives with my mom like she lives in like a little like side house or something in, Ar- yeah. in arizona and my mom cannot stand my grandmother it's like crazy i'm like mom if we ever get like that i'm gonna knock you the fuck out like i just want (laughs) to let you know like you will be going in a home and i will fuck you up like you know like (laughs) we are not gonna get like that i will fucking kill you and she was like yeah please kill me if i ever treat you like that it's like god but maybe i don't know maybe you just you just end up hating your mom or something when you're older i don't know it's weird who knows or you just can't stand each other Oh, it's funny that you say you end up hating your mom because I'm like, wait, don't you start hating your mom like way sooner, <laughs> like way See, earlier. Yeah, like me and my mom when I was a kid, I was such a bitch. I have such guilt for how fucking rude I was to my mother. And she was like so sweet to me. Like if she asked me to do anything, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. And like, <laughs> I was seriously such a bitch. And um, like, okay. and she was so smaller than me. Like I was like, mm-hmm. I'm 5'11". My mom's like 5'2". So like, oh, I wow. was like, I You're was a like, giant. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Like I wouldn't get into physical <laughs> fights, but like I would just make it known that I could fuck her up, and then she would it back down. And my brothers are just watching. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're such a bitch to mom. I'm like, yeah, you know. And so now I'm like, I like love you all. I'm so sorry. But then I feel uh, like it could get back to that. Like, we were, <laughs> yeah, you know, like you just you don't know until like with me, I had to figure it out. I was like, what's the cutoff where my patience runs out with them? And it's like, I could have lunch with them. And then if everybody's still in good spirits, I could have up to dinner with them. But I have to go sleep in my own place. They have to go sleep in their own place. And I cannot see them the next day. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you guys have had to stay in the same place together? Like sleep overnight? Oh, like years like- ago. Years ago. But I, I did, when I was traveling in Boise, actually two years ago, it was with my mom. Mm-hmm. It was like the first time I was traveling with her in years. Yeah. And uh, I had a mental fucking breakdown. <laughs> during that week i lost my shit um 
we were in Boise for two nights, and then we went to Portland, Oregon, for a few like a few nights. And mm-hmm. as soon as the plane landed in Portland, I felt like my soul just feel like this relief because I was like, "Oh my God, there's weed everywhere! Like, yeah, <laughs> marijuana everywhere!" And so I just felt like this relief take over and i as soon as like we checked into a hotel i was like mom you and i are walking to a dispensary right now together that's so funny your parents just visited right like a few months ago or something yeah they were here in february or yeah they were in february so i saw them in february and that was they're in their own hotel wacky yeah they were staying with friends like way out in the boonies somewhere so mm-hmm. that also helped. I was like, oh, there's distance. Like they're mm-hmm. like an hour, hour and a half. They're like 99 miles away. So good. Like there's distance. Oh. It's like, yeah. Yeah. They were over in like San Bernardino, like way out oh, okay. there. Yeah. Where it's beautiful and they liked it. So it's good. But see, I like, I like a sleepover. I like to be uncomfortable in those situations. Like, I like everybody just fucking, you know, pressurizing a little can and just to see what happens because I'm chilling. I'll just fucking sit there and, you know, watch. Like, I don't know. I just think it's so funny. Like, I visit my mom in Arizona and I just stay there and it's like my mom, my stepdad, my um, my grandma and then my brother and his kids and all them and everyone's fucking going crazy. Like, you can yeah. see everybody's breaking down throughout yeah, the yeah. weekend. Yeah. And including me, but I don't know something about that. Just I just think the bonding is just priceless. You know, it is. Everyone hates each other. It's really yeah, funny. it is. No, but that is like, and and everybody like loves one another, and that is what creates the funny shit. You know, like that's what ends up in like fucking Home Alone and like the Family Stone. Like those are the little moments that end up becoming these like stories later for film and TV and whatnot. And yeah. there is something like cherishable about that i think it just it really depends on who the individual is and like have they gotten over you know Mm. whatever shit you know um so yeah i i get it i get it and it's like the complexity that you have to appreciate have you seen that film the glass castle no i haven't okay i knew nothing about this movie it came out like five six years ago and the cast is really impressive. Like Woody Harrelson is in it. Okay. Um, oh my God, who was the mother? Oh, Naomi Watts. Like Naomi Watts and Woody Harrelson play um like a couple, and they have children, and it's like this dis- family dysfunction situation. And I was, it's a really good film, but like Rotten Tomatoes didn't really like it. They gave it like sixty or something, um, but. Yeah, it's based on a book by this New York Times journalist, and she wrote about her life. But yeah, I think you'd appreciate it. I don't know if you like films, but I do. Yeah. I who doesn't like a movie? There are a lot of people who don't like movies. Like I don't really? know, a, like actresses or actors. Yeah, like in LA, when I meet actors and actresses, I can't talk to them about cinema. They they don't know anything about movies. They never watch movies, and I'm like, how are you an actor? You know, like, my favorite movie is like. They'll mention some movie from the 1940s, like one movie. It's like, that's it. And I'm like, what? And they're like, I haven't seen a movie since. Yeah. But yeah, okay, good. I think you might appreciate this film. Okay, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. It's a good movie. 
Um, okay. Well, let's let's get into flashcard series because I do this on all of my podcasts with all of my guests, and okay. all my guests love it because it's a uh, fun. It's a fun time. Okay, exciting. Yeah. So uh, it's based on a show called Divorce Attorney Shin, which is a K drama currently on Netflix, and uh, I I quite love this show. It's very like, it's got humor and heart and you know a nice healthy balance between yeah and pathos it's got some drama too so i I really liked it it didn't do so well ratings wise and that's why it only has 12 episodes that's how you could tell if a k-drama was successful or not if it has up to 16 episodes then it's been doing decently if it has like 21 or more than 20 episodes it was like fucking kicking ass but if it has only 12 episodes or 10 12 episodes usually that means they cut it it's like okay like we're taking this shit off the air it's not paying it's a goodbye so that's what happened to this show unfortunately but i think it's a fabulous show so okay i'm basically going to ask you like what would you do if you were this character in this situation and you just riff like whatever comes to you all right okay perfect all right, so let's say you're a TV news anchor and radio DJ named Sajin, and you have a son who is in grade school, and you're married to a man who is so controlling of you that mm-hmm. you have to take selfies of yourself with whoever you're with multiple times throughout the day to like notify him of what you're doing with your life or your day all day. Not only that, uh-huh. he <laughs> keeps track of your underwear okay. and like counts them knows the designs and patterns because he he needs to know like what it is that you're wearing out for that day all right he's like obsessive and controlling and possessive all right okay. so in order to find release from the stress and the hell of living with this psycho mm-hmm. you start as one would you start having an affair with a younger man who is also a restaurant worker okay okay uh, but what he does what this restaurant worker dude what he does is he films you two having sex without your knowledge or consent and then leaks that tape on the internet and it goes viral what do you do oh oh wow is this like what happened in the show (laughs) yeah okay um i'd probably well first off i kind of love that the husband does that i'm like wow that's (laughs) i feel like for the first three years you'd feel like the sex is probably amazing and it's probably really hot. So I would like be into that, but yeah. I get it. Like, let's say where you're six in marriage and it's like really clingy at this point, yeah. the fucking selfies. And then I'm having, and I, and restaurant workers, that's sexy in itself. Cause they're like, they work nights, you know, they have mm. like a, then they go out and they get fucked up and like, and then they sleep until like 1 PM and they go to work. So I get the miss, like, that'd be fun. Okay. And yeah. this guy took a second. Well, I'd hope the video was really good. Like, I'd hope I'd be getting money off of it. And yeah. my husband would probably hit me when he found out. I feel like he'd probably <laughs> fuck me up a lot. And I, uh, and you know, I would feel like I deserved it a little bit. But he would probably beat the shit out of me. And I'd probably, probably have to go to jail. And then yeah, yeah. Um, I'd probably have to, then I think it'd be, it'd be over just then and there, unless I really loved him. But he would... Hmm. He would definitely abuse me and then I'd have to, then he'd go to prison and then we would probably get a divorce. And I feel like that would help me get a divorce. So I feel like the leaked video will be a 
um, blessing in disguise. Yeah. And then I'd probably want yeah. to beat up the restaurant worker. I'd probably shoot him yeah. in the leg. <laughs> or, like, take his knives, restaurant knives. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's actually a really, uh, actually, that's a very healthy and positive way to look at it like the fact that you're like oh this event this horrifying event is actually like a course corrector in my life like <laughs> upturning yeah. everything and yeah that's actually really great okay okay well let's say you're the same woman all right you're okay. still touching okay you're stuck in a custody battle while divorcing your husband due to your infidelity and sex tape mm -hmm. but you find out that your ex-husband showed footage of your sex tape to your eight-year-old son to turn him against you what do you do oh that's so sad for the eight-year-old i wonder if he watched it or if he looked away i don't know um okay what do i do i would probably talk to my son about it and i would be like okay listen mom has needs whatever <laughs> um your dad fucked me up <laughs> i I mean, I would probably beat the shit out of my husband, to be honest. I would pro I probably yeah. would take everything to not, like, get physical yeah. with him. Um, yeah. And I guess, realistically, you would just have to take it to court and be like, this is what he did. But I just feel like this. my husband has a lot of power, and I'm just getting fucked left and right from, like, mm. every angle at this point. And I think that I, I lose my job because I'm a news anchor, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would mm -hmm. be probably suicidal. <laughs> I would <laughs> I would not be in a good spot and I feel like I would have to be put into a rehab facility or something. I think I'm going into a mental institution. I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, fuck, I don't know. That sucks. My son thinks I'm a horror, you know, and he thinks like now I'm going to lose my son. Uh, that would really suck. I don't know. I would, um, I wouldn't be doing well. Okay. Great. 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 All right. This is the perfect show for you. Okay. Okay. Let's say, let's say you're a 50 something year old woman now. All right. Your name is Eran and you have two daughters and a husband, right? Okay. You take care of your family, your unemployed husband. You take care of your daughters, your mother-in-law who lives upstairs from you. All right. You're the homemaker and caretaker. On top of that, you spend all day, all of your time running errands as the building super. All right. That building belongs to your mother-in-law and you do all the super work all right like a toilet's okay. clogged pipe is burst you got to go and take care of it all right you do all of this for no pay but your mother-in-law belittles you constantly she calls you stupid lazy fat she calls you all kinds of names one day your mother-in-law says that she wants to move downstairs with you and your family and rent her place to new tenants so that they can make extra money that means your daughters will have to share a room and give up their space to your mother-in-law in the already cramped apartment. What do you do? I mean, it sounds like this character is a little bitch and she's not going to do anything, but I, I would say no. I would literally, it seems like I'm not living a good life. It seems like I hate my life. <laughs> I'm 50 years old. Yeah. I I have two daughters that probably don't do shit for me and my husband is a fucking <laughs> pussy so I would just probably I would end it all I'd be like okay no I would probably try to kill my mother-in-law if this if I was in a show I would literally try to kill her I would kill her yeah. like yeah. that sucks I mean I would say no and I where I would get an apartment somewhere else you know and like mm. live there but I would probably try to murder her with poison to be honest <laughs> and try to get all her money because that's just insane Okay. But I feel like people do live a life like that, which sucks. A lot of people do, unfortunately. Okay. 
All right. All right. Let's say you're the same woman. You're you're still Eran, okay? Your husband. She sucks. <laughs> she sucks. Yeah. Well, this is this is similar, you know. So maybe this is a coarse character, right? All right. So mm-hmm. your husband Pyeongchul, he never defends you when your mom when your mother-in-law is abusing you. Okay. He is like helpless to his mother's rage and woes. But the truth is that building that your mother-in-law owns is actually your husband's, all right? But at the time, your husband asked his mother-in-law to purchase it under her name using his money because of his poor financial history with creditors. It like prevents him from becoming a building owner. Mm -hmm. So the deal was that your mother-in-law had to use her name, all right? But then eventually give back the rights to your family, but she never did. Right. And she still bosses you guys around. You ask your husband to set the record straight or that you'll divorce him, but he doesn't. What do you do? I knew my husband was a fucking pussy. I fucking knew it. This is even even better. Like, you should try to kill your mother-in-law. I mean, I would fucking divorce him. I'd be like, you're a fucking loser. You can have sex with your mom if that's how you feel. You seem to love her more than anybody, and I would divorce them. The kids are like gonna be the da- the daughters will like probably have no respect for their father either. Yeah, I would divorce his ass, and I would fucking try to take all the money, and I take the mother in law to court, and I would fucking yeah, I would divorce him. That her her life is miserable. Like this character sucks. I'm sure it's excruciating watching this. You're probably like Jesus Christ, girlfriend. Like get it together, make a move. I would I would divorce him, no problem. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's say you're a different person now. You're a middle-aged male professor named Chung Yung, and you're married to a woman and you have a son in high school who's studying abroad. You're also having an affair with another woman named Xiang, who you want to marry, but your wife won't sign the divorce papers. Also, you're dying of liver cancer. All right. Your girlfriend, Xiang, wants to donate her liver to you but it's only possible if she's your legal spouse. But your current wife won't grant you a divorce and you're slowly dying. What do you do? Does my wife, current wife, know I have liver cancer? Yeah, she knows. Well, she's trying to kill me. That's what's <laughs> happening. Um, wow. I mean, yeah. honestly, in all these situations, I guess I should be more realistic with it. I would really try. I would be really persuasive with my wife. I'd I'd fucking pull out all the stops. I'd make her think I'm more in love with her than ever. Oh. You know, I would like, oh. I would be like, I'd cook her dinner. I'd dick her down so hard. <laughs> and I would literally make her remember why she's so in love with me. And then yeah. I would forge her signature or something to make her divorce me. I don't know. I know yeah. Or something. And then I could be with this fucking young chick that I'm obviously just using for the liver. Like I, <laughs> you know, and then just live my life. This guy seems like he's a professor. He could, he has DocuSign and like he has notaries that like, he could get a forged signature, but yeah. yeah. Or I would just get on a different liver um, transplant list or something. Or I would just die fucking the hot chick, you know, like who cares? <laughs> I don't know. But my wife sounds like yeah. a fucking dick. <laughs> yeah, she God, is. there's so much drama in this series. This is so uh, sad. So, so many so... so many victims and so many villains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like this is a lot of spouse on spouse crime. Like, wow. <laughs> Be careful who you marry, my God. <laughs> okay. 
let's say now you're a little boy named Ki Young. You're about 10 mm -hmm. years old. Your mother died in a car accident when you were very young. And then your father remarried and you have a stepmom and a half sister, but your stepmom neglects you constantly. She doesn't say anything kind to you. She doesn't let you play with your sister. She blatantly discriminates against you by showing favoritism to her daughter, but totally neglects you. On top of that, your father is a very busy man and he's never home. So you're mostly by yourself, but you have a maternal uncle who is a divorce attorney and you used to see him at least once a week to hang out. He's so loving to you and you love your uncle. Seeing him is the one thing you have to look forward to, but your stepmother is now saying you can't see your uncle ever. What do you do? Well, what a stepmom, am I right? That's classic. <laughs> I mean, I would just sneak, I would sneak in to see my um, uncle, you know, it'd be like a sexy little uh, affair with my uncle. That's pretty much what would happen. And then I would, I would try to make that lady's life a living hell. I would fucking ruin everything, all of her clothes. I would fucking, yeah. if she, any, I would, I would like put fast food in her car and let it stay there for onions. And like, I would fuck her up for sure like he this boy seems really sweet but he needs yeah. to get a little evil and so i would i would fuck her life up and then hopefully they'd send me away to like a boarding school and i don't have to deal with him you know so like yeah, yeah. i think i think he needs to like kind of hit his stepmom or something like i need them <laughs> i would try to be sent away asap rocky and i would i would be sent away for sure yeah it's funny that's funny how like none of these victims fight back they're like yeah. help, they're helpless to their situation and they just continuously behave like morally upright people and let this asshole just wreak havoc in their lives it's really funny how that goes on yeah but i feel like in real life if you're feeling like someone's doing you dirty it's a slow burn you know to the mm. to your tipping point so i feel yeah. like this boy like like any of these situations it's like you t like the 50 year old with the fucking mother-in-law which is yeah. the worst have ever fucking heard i would die literally like the breadwinner is everything is the fucking owner of the butler that she like is the supervisor of the building. yeah yeah mother-in-law's mother calling her fat and stupid <laughs> and lazy yeah. lazy yeah i i would i yeah that's probably you just probably deal with that and be like oh you know and then eventually you'll um there's gonna be a turning point and you will cheat on your husband and you know like probably push your mother down the stairs just a little bit um but yeah that's a terrible life that's why i can never i can never get married now hearing all these stories like i'm scared <laughs> at least that's their korean man i'm like i don't even know what's gonna happen now yeah yeah it's it's those were her choices i mean that's what we gotta fucking admit at the end of the day it's like bitch you chose that man and you chose this life it's like yeah you could also choose to undo these things all right last question Let's say you're Song Han, you're the divorce attorney, you're that uncle dude, all right? Okay. You have a nephew named Ki Young, whom you love. Ki Young is your late sister's son. Your nephew's chauffeur, all right? He, he comes from money. His chauffeur, who's like an uncle to Ki Young since he was an infant, all right? He recently gets fired because the family's like not happy with Ki Young, all right? This is what happened. The chauffeur noticed that Ki Young seems depressed and he starts binge eating junk food at a convenience store every single night. And then he okay. gets sick and then he barfs it all out, 
All right, clearly not a healthy thing, but he does this every night. So Kyung chauffeur tells his stepmom about it and says, I think he's a little depressed. Maybe he should see a doctor. And then the stepmom fires him. He's like, he sh you should mind your own fucking business. Fires his ass. All right. When you try talking to Kyung's parents about it, they tell you to mind your own fucking business. All right. One day, your nephew runs away from home and says to you with tears in his this 10-year-old boy's eyes, he's saying to you tearfully, he's like, you're an attorney and I need you to rescue me from my family. What do you do? <laughs> well, um, this is so, okay. I feel like this is a boring answer, <laughs> but I feel like realistically, you're going to be like, yeah, I can help you, but you can't. I mean, I guess you'd have to talk to her, his dad and be like, you're like, I think the dad's the problem here. You know what I mean? The dad is fucking crazy. So I would just offer to take the son, like take my nephew in and like live with them. And then, mm -hmm. but like, that's never going to happen because the fucking um, dad mm -hmm. won't give up custody. So that's going to be a long battle. And then this kid's going to be fucked up for a while. And then eventually yeah. he'll probably come live with me when he's like 16, 17. And then he'll go on and have to go to therapy and like hate his stepmom, even though his dad and his stepmom is gonna get divorced. So like, you yeah. know, because like she seems evil, and yeah, um, I'm all, like as the as the uncle, I'm gonna have such guilt that you know my um sister's son is so fucked up, you know. So that's gonna be a never ending, so sad situation. So really, but I think it comes down to that my brother-in-law is a fucking idiot and I would have to sit him down and be like, I would honestly, if I tried to get this on, I would try to um, be like, I'm a divorce attorney. She's not going to get anything. We can settle this where like, you're oh, going to have all the money. I think yeah. that's how I would try to convince them. Oh, um, yeah. And then I would hire the chauffeur to chauffeur me around so that he had a job. <laughs> but, I yeah, love that this answer. Is, yeah. This is like the worst scenarios for everybody and it's just never gonna it's never gonna be a happy ending i'm like is this show have a happy ending for anybody and apparently no it's like kind of like gloomy it's never gonna be good but i guess that's life I, I think in life you don't really understand that your life sucks until maybe the very end you're like oh yeah i guess it wasn't really the sunshine and rainbows but you don't really think about that you know yeah yeah so that sucks uh, the the show ends on a happy note it does but uh no, I, I love your answers. And I love that answer. It's like, oh, like, let me get into the the nephew's father's head and, like, manipulate some wheels in there to get him to divorce his current wife. Yeah. yeah. That but I, I feel like Yeah. But also, I feel like I'm never that involved with my brother's wives. You know what I mean? Like, because like, my brothers have, like, crazy wives and I stay out of it you know what I mean I'm like oh <laughs> that's fine kids can suffer I'm not I don't want to be in the drama you know so who knows maybe I would just tell my nephew to suck it the fuck up you know and again get kicked out of the house and go to boarding school that's what I would fucking say like Jesus I'm like I'm like a man who's like in his 50s probably I don't need yeah. I don't need you fucking pulling on my ear trying to get me involved in that shit no thanks yeah. but um I'll be yeah. like I'll take you on a vacation every summer I have oh, money. Okay. I'll take on vacation, and then that can be your sanctuary. And then that's a fair a compromise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's it. That that wraps it up. Thank you, Ruby. This is such a pleasure. no problem. No problem. <laughs>